Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Throw Over Noise. I'm half the show. My name is Jeff. Joining me, my other half, that is Mark A. Johnson. Not my better half. My better half is, is <laughs> she wouldn't like if I said that. So it's much better. <laughs> the other half of the show, Mark A. Johnson. Mark, happy uh, post-opening week. Hey, it's it's so good. It feels like, you know, the sh- the sun shines a little bit brighter these days and the air is a little cleaner and, and, and there's baseball going on and that just makes Mark a happy guy. Now, I watched a good deal of the Mariners game today and that was not the case. It was it was they had to close the roof. Not my fault. I wasn't working. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm just going to celebrate this day. I'd like to put a pin in this day because if you look at the American League West standings right now, uh, the Oakland Athletics are not in last place. There you go. So, yeah, let's we'll visit that at the end of the year and see how that <laughs> how that stays. Oh, uh, all right. Well, I am this is a first mark because I am actually doing the show today in about three quarters of a full uniform, baseball uniform. Oh, nice. I had practice today and it kicked my butt. I came home, I fell asleep, woke up, we're gonna do a show. So <laughs> I got okay. I got pants on. I don't have stirrups on today. I wore long pants because I just wanted to it was it was early morning and yeah, you can find me for not wearing the stirrups. But uh That's weird, Jeff, because I don't have pants on. <laughs> Again, it's a Good thing we do this show remotely. That's All right. right, let's get into BP. I need to stretch again because I'm already a, a bit sore from uh, practice today, but let's get right into BP. Mark, season's underway. We're excited. A lot of new rules uh, in place this year, one of them being the bigger bases and the uh, the two throwovers is all that's allowed uh, thusly. You know, first of all, folks, we've heard you. Uh, we've we've heard you on the two throw over noise rebrand and we're with you. We love it, too. So <laughs> we are officially going to be rebranding the podcast. Everything will be changing to two throw over noise. Just keep your eyes out for that. That's uh, that's going to happen. But there was a great article in The Athletic this last week about the bigger bases where they talked to none other than my guy, Ricky Henderson. He had some interesting things to say about the the bigger bases. First of all, he didn't didn't hate it. He said, quote, I take an even bigger lead and go more. Ricky going more. That's an odd. (laughs) (laughs) I think he went pretty much all the time. (laughs) But uh, there is also a a quote here from Dusty Baker about the bigger bases. And if Ricky played with him, he said, quote, they'd never get him. He'd always be safe. Ricky said not having to deal with so many throwers from the mound would help keep him fresher as well. He said, quote, I wish the game would just be left alone. But if they're going to make these changes, they got to add 50 or 60 on mine. That's the new rule. (laughs) (laughs) And then Baker said this in response to that. He said, quote, 50 or 60 a season. (laughs) That's probably more along the lines of I think Ricky would get more than another 50 or 60 if he had his whole career with the new bases and the and the two throwover limit. I I think so, too. I think he would have quite a number more. So I've got something that we'll we'll talk about that again here uh, in in BP down when we get to uh, another part of this. But some of these stolen base numbers already are are pretty crazy. So uh, we'll take a look at that. We've got uh, a lot of people, a lot of baseball fans. Uh, I mean, MLB.tv, first of all, is an incredible product. It's changed the way that sports streams, and by by that I mean that streaming is used. Uh, MLB.tv was the first streaming service for a major sport. It is a great product. There, It's incredible that I can watch any game from 
the last couple of seasons, this season, at any time, I can choose what broadcast I want. I can, you know, just do a ton of stuff with it. But blackouts are still a thing, obviously. And so as long as blackouts are a thing, MLB.TV sucks. That's right. (laughs) So, but there is a bipartisan bill that was put in front of Iowa lawmakers last week. And it introduces, uh, the bill is introducing a, a plan to banning MLB TV blackouts in the state of Iowa. Ooh. So this is just Iowa. But despite paying for MLB.tv, people in Iowa are unable to watch the Minnesota Twins, the Milwaukee Brewers, the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Kansas City Royals. So the whole league, okay. It's basically the whole central division, (laughs) almost, of both leagues. So if all six of those teams played six different teams, that's 40% of Major League Baseball on a specific day that nobody in Iowa could watch. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. They'd have to just watch the Iowa Cubs. I think there's a couple of other minor league teams. and Well, there might have been since MLB slash them all i don't know how many are left but i think that's ridiculous i hope uh, i hope fans in iowa get this uh, it was it was put forward by one of the lawmakers as a former minor league baseball player so he's got some skin in the game there all right uh let's see vernon wells you remember vernon wells mark the painter or the outfielder uh, was there a painter named vernon wells sure Okay, I'll take your word for it. No, the Vernon Wells that played 15 years in the big leagues, three-time All-Star, won a Silver Slugger, and three gold gloves in the outfield. That Vernon Wells, if that answers your question. Yes, I certainly do remember him. (laughs) Well, you can add a a new accomplishment onto that list that I just read. He is now the head football coach at Cooleyville Covenant High School. Nice pretty impressive he is uh he has been at this high school for a while he's been the baseball coach and he's been the associate head coach at the with the football team but now it's all his he played as a quarterback in high school along with uh, obviously baseball but uh, congratulations to vernon wells there's a name of somebody that right in our kind of in our sweet spot that uh, is doing something a little bit different mark here's another name uh i'm not sure if you're familiar with lars newtbar you heard of oh, this guy? heard of this guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be a two-strike noise episode if we don't talk about Lars Newbar at some point, right? Well, he has officially retired the pepper grinder. It's oh, okay. done. He's moved on. He's got a new thing. I can't say it's the most original uh, thing, but he's now doing the salt shaker. Okay. So, yeah, I can already see the future here. Next year, it's going to be the ketchup bottle. Maybe yes. Heinz might want to get in on that for a sponsorship opportunity. But like he could, you know, hit the bottom of it or stick a knife up in there and kind of root around in there. Maybe Hershey's chocolate syrup. You can squirt it all around. I got plenty of ideas, Lars, if you want to hit me up. I think we can we can get some money for some sponsorship opportunities here. But, well, I, I, this is another thing that works in Lars' favor. Since the World Baseball Classic started, Lars has gained over a million followers on social media. Nice. Now, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't think I follow Lars on any media. <laughs> He's probably been trying to get a hold of us and doesn't know how. That must be, I'm sure. Yeah. That must you know, we've be. been on the Lars bandwagon for quite a while. Well, I mean, we've got the, we've got the email address. He could certainly hit us up there. That's true. And I've been checking and he hasn't written yet. 
Oh. Hold, hold on till the end of the show. We'll give you the email address, Lars. There you go. All right. Uh, let's see the Yankees. So we, we got to talk about the Yankees a little bit because uh, we're big Yankees fans here. Sure. The Yankees have asked MLB if they can stop issuing uniform numbers to their manager and coaches because, frankly, they're just running out of numbers. <laughs> they're going to have to go with decimals. Well, this is what I thought. Now, soccer coaches usually have their initials on their jacket or their sweats or whatever they wear during a game. So, I, you know, that's something. Or maybe the Yankees could just not retire every single player's number. That that's not a bad idea right there. Yeah, I mean, oh, this guy came up and played three games with us in uh, 2003. Let's go ahead and retire his number. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's got to be still they they can get up into the 70s and 80s. What's the big embarrassment with that? Well, I know Vol, uh, Andrew Volpe. They're they're shortstop. Was he like 21 year? Maybe he's 18. I don't know. But yeah, he's, he's 12. Yeah, yes, he's good. really. Good. Uh, he's number 11. They gave him the lowest number that they could, oh, and it wow. was 11. So that player goes to 11. Yeah, I was going to say, some Yankee fan better have a this one goes to 11 sign out there on Absolutely. that opening day. Yeah. I like the Mariners. This, boy, there's a sentence I've never said before in my life. I like <laughs> the Mariners, though, because they say you don't get your number retired unless you're in the Hall of Fame. I like that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Otherwise, you just get a gold watch and a hearty handshake and uh, yes. thank you. That's it. All right, Mark, I, I talked about some, uh, I wanted to talk about some stolen base stuff here. A couple of opening day firsts. So opening day, really the only day you're going to get these things where everybody's hyper-focused on it and said, oh, this hasn't happened since 1802 when they were playing rounders in Manchester but uh, everybody can kind of focus on what goes on in that day Adley Rutschman catcher stud for the Orioles first catcher in the entire history of baseball to have five hits on opening day that's pretty impressive I think he might have a chance at being good (laughs) yeah Yeah, between he and Gunnar Henderson I think they've got a good like 80s hair metal band forming as well I, I, they've got some good flow. I, I like that. Uh, but I mentioned stolen bases. There were 21 stolen bases on Thursday on opening day. Most on an opening day since 1907. Wow. Last year, six. No way. <laughs> yeah. The success rate was 91.3. Runners were 21 for 23 on stealing bases on opening day. Now, it is a little skewed. I mean, the bases, yes, but MLB this year wanted to make sure that every team was playing on opening day. Usually, you know, you get like a handful or maybe half the teams play one day and then the next day the other half. But this was right. different. Everybody played 21 stolen bases, 1907. Pretty pretty cool. That, that is actually very cool. The uh, The average time of game on opening day, two hours and 45 minutes. Not bad. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not the the two and a half that everybody was talking about during spring training. It was also just we'll one day. We'll get there. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that the Mariners game, I think it was like on Friday, took like eight hours and four minutes. But, then, like but then the next day it took two hours and four minutes. <laughs> Two oh three was uh it was awesome. Did you work that game? <laughs> I did. I enjoyed that very much. And you know, you don't get paid by the hour, you get paid by the game. So you are Correct. living yes. right there. 
my uh, my hourly wage went up. <laughs> you got to raise that one game. Mm-hmm. Violations on opening day. There were 14 total pitch or batter violations, eight by pitchers, four by batters, one by the catcher and one by the base runner, which was ridiculous. <laughs> That was by Pete Alonzo, who had run on uh, on the on a play, and it was a foul ball. And the umpire said he just took too long to get back to the bag. So uh, <laughs> Jeff McNeil, who was at bat, uh, ended up getting a strike on him for no reason, and oh, then promptly man. singled on the next pitch. But still, no, that's no harm, no foul, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of a dick move, though. <laughs> Jeff oh, O'Neill, you're in the hole when you didn't have anything to do with it. Oh, it is yes, but uh, he made the most of it. That's that's. All right, uh, Mark, this show is debuting on April 4th. We uh, There's just a ton of great names that made their debut on April 4th, but this is uh, an hour show, so we're going to cut it down to just a couple. First of all, 1974, Hurricane Herb Washington made his debut for the Oakland Athletics. Nice. Pinch runner supreme. That's right. 105 career games, zero at-bats, 31 stolen bases, 17 caught stealing. So really not that great. But he was fast. He was fast, yeah. Uh, get this, he was uh, he was doing sports on Channel 6 in Lansing, Michigan, when he got a message from, from uh, Charlie Finley. He thought it was a joke at first, and then he got a page, so you know it was serious. Ooh. And uh, said, Her, uh, this was the quote, Herbie, I want you to play baseball and be a pinch runner. And uh, from there, history was made. That, that, that's such a funny story. You know, what an, what an idea. That's, uh, that's Charlie for you, though. All right, also, 1984, Brett Saberhagen makes his debut. Two Cy Youngs, 1985 World Series and 1985 World Series MVP, threw a no-hitter in 1991, and is also on record as being the only major league player that has ever gone so hard on a track about a pickup truck. Because they got the trucks that are on the ball. From work to play, they've got it all. They've got a base that's a real steal. And here's another very good deal. Or choose a truck named after me, the special edition Ford MVP. You know I will never miss an opportunity to play that. No, no word, man. Word to your mother. He just, that's just classic right there. Brett Saberhagen. Now get this. That's the rap, man. That is gangster rap right there. Now, you know... The, that's 19, uh, late 80s, early 90s rap right there. He was that's, an innovator. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can just imagine. I, I want to pretend like he wrote that because <laughs> he raps it like a, like a guy named Brett Saberhagen would write a rap. I'll, I'll put it yeah. that way. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Going from one show icon to another, 1988, Brady Anderson made his debut. We know about Brady and his sideburns. If you listen to this podcast for any length of time, you know that Brady absolutely wowed Hollywood in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And of course, we all know about Brady's 50 home runs in 1996. But a yeah. couple of other things that are really pretty cool about Brady that I'm not sure that we've talked about. Brady hit a leadoff home run on April 18th. This is during the 1996 season. Then he did it again on April 19th. Then he did it again on April 20th. And then he did it again on April 21st. Wow. Four consecutive days. 
he hit a leadoff home run. That is wow. impressive. That is amazing. Yeah, no doubt. All right, some other things here. Brady was hit by a pitch twice in the same inning in 1999. The first player in the American League to ever have that happen to him. How lucky and unfortunate. Yeah, well, get on his on-base percentage certainly went up. Yeah, that's why it's both. Yeah. Uh, Also, in the history of Major League Baseball, there have only been two players that have stolen 50 or more bases in a season during their career and also hit 50 or more home runs in a season. Obviously, a different season. Those two guys, Barry Bonds, Brady Anderson. Mm. Also married to like a 20-year-old K-pop. That's right. So, I mean, he's he's living a good life. I'm not going to lie. He's Brady. He's Brady. Okay, and our final debut, also making his debut in 1988 today, is none other than Spuds McKenzie himself, Chris Sabo. (laughs) Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, so in high school, Sabo, not only a great baseball player, also a hockey goalie and a golfer. He would have fit right in with Tom Glavin. Those are Tom Glavin-like stuff. So when we think of Spuds, two things come to mind, right? The goggles and the high and tight haircut yes the origin of the haircut was that uh, he was in a lengthy slump and uh, so he got it of course he started to hit the haircut stayed forever the goggles however uh this was tied to how he played he needed uh, glasses because he couldn't see that's why people generally wear glasses but he preferred the goggles over just regular science teacher glasses of the day or contacts because they protected his eyes better when he slid head first which is how he used to go into bases. So that's how he decided he needed to wear those rec specs. In his early years in the minors also, Spuds, a little bored with the uh, with the downtime while, uh, while playing in Tampa in the Instructional League, he picked up a second job. <laughs> Flipping burgers. He worked at McDonald's on his off day. <laughs> so- oh my gosh. And, of course, I think my favorite thing, well, you know, it's my favorite thing to hear from him. I I don't like the circumstances because after the Reds swept the A's in the 1990 World Series, I think Chris Sabo had his first ever beer during the uh, World Series parade. And then somebody stuck a mic in front of him and this happened. the past (laughs) first of all he says that's all i gotta say and then he goes on for another 30 seconds (laughs) that's all i gotta say except for a few more things and then he's like oh we we kept our mouths shut and then he continues to talk smack for another 20 seconds wow i i do remember my first beer i was a little chatty after it but he must have really enjoyed it (laughs) that is one of my favorite clips uh but there we go there's some of the debuts like i said there's literally a metric ton of them i mean this is kind of a more of a traditional opening day date of april 4th but uh, i had to just slim them down to a couple that were kind of in the 70s and 80s maybe next show that we do that debuts on april 4th i'll get some more more recent ones so in like six years seven years we'll do that 
There you go. All right, that's it for our BP segment. Mark, the grounds crew going to come out here. They're in they're in Texas today because it's opening day. This is a special <laughs> day. Do, do, yes. the, do the Mariners uh, grounds crew still do that on opening day? Uh, no, they 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 didn't seem to. They didn't do it. They were just in in yellow stained t shirts and cut off jean jorts. <laughs> I, I you know what? I'm going to be honest. I didn't pay attention. You know that this is one of the things that is really going to hurt baseball with the with the pitch clock and trying to get the game moving. No more grounds crew doing the YMCA. I don't think there's <laughs> enough time anymore. There is not enough time, and I, for one, am here for it. They can do a shorter song. <laughs> I did see. I did see. I was watching highlights of the of of our favorite, the Ham Fighters, because they opened their new stadium. And uh, their cheerleaders came out in between innings and did an entire dance routine to What Does the Fox Say? Nice. So really the cutting edge of music. <laughs> I think, uh, what, like 2008 called and they want their song back. But anyway, let's let's wrap up, BP. Mark, you've got some stuff to talk about this week. Why don't you go ahead and take over? Yeah, I was uh, I was reading up on uh, sort of the history of the minor leagues and the minor league agreements agreements with Major League Baseball. Came across some interesting stuff. Uh, if you go way back to the 18, uh, 1800s, we've talked about uh, you know a few dozen of them. There were so many baseball leagues, numerous professional baseball leagues. They didn't work together. Some were barnstormers. Some you know some cities had three or four teams and so on, and they, they didn't have any sort of agreement in place. So they just swiped each other's players. They would, you know, oh, I'm signing this guy from that league and this guy's coming from that league and uh, contracts quite often, not honored, not looked at. And uh, people just kind of went all over the place. And it was pretty chaotic. The national and the American league have been stealing players from each other for years. In 1901, a bunch of smaller leagues band together to form the national association of professional baseball leagues. That remained the uh, major uh, organization of minor league teams all the way until the 1990s, uh, that which uh, the affiliated minors decided to trademark and call themselves the minor league baseball. They call, call themselves minor league baseball. So uh, it's interesting. that It's pretty much the same organization that's been around for over 100 years. Um, they came up with the, the idea to honor other leagues' contracts. And they came up with uh, an idea to allow for upward player mobility. So, you know, if one team had so many great, so many great players that they were keeping good players in the minors that should have been big leagues, they came up with this thing called the rule five draft. This was 1903 and it's wow. still going on today. Yeah. yeah 1903. The 1903. rule five draft. Wow. Do you believe that? Rule five. And, and I was reading up on some of the rule five draft picks just to, to kind of go into it in case the rule five draft isn't something that everyone completely understands. There's a 40 man roster in the major leagues and there's a 25 man roster. The 25 man roster is your team that goes out or it's a 26 now, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's where you, you're, that's your team that goes out and puts on the uniforms and plays baseball. The 40 man roster is for you to protect players so they can't be signed by uh, other teams and so on. Now, if you've got a player that's not on the 40 man roster and he has been with the team for more than three seasons, then he, if he's unprotected, he's eligible for what they call the rule five draft. And another team can snag him, pay a hundred thousand dollars and put him on their team. 
problem is he has to stay on that team's 25 man roster for the whole season or he gets offered back to the team he was drafted from. Does that kind of summarize it, Jeff, or do you have anything else? No, that's perfect. That's incredible. 1903. I would have never thought that something like the rule five to me, that seems like something that like would have come around in like 1996. Yeah, you would think something like that, but no, or even even like I wouldn't be shocked if it was the 70s, but no, 100 years. It's just for some examples of, I found here some minor league or some uh, Rule 5 players that were pretty notable, even some Hall of Famers, if you can believe that. Ooh. A guy named Christy Mathewson was selected by the Cincinnati Reds from the Norfolk Phenoms in 1900, the Rule 5 draft. Wow. How about, how about this one? Hack Wilson. Ah, the Cubs took him from the Toledo Mud Hens in 1925. <laughs> wow. Can you believe that? And here's one. This one blew me away. The Pittsburgh Pirates selected from the Brooklyn Dodgers. First pick of the Rule 5 draft in 1954, Mr. Roberto Clemente. Wow. Those t- <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, those are some... They must have protected some darn good ballplayers. Yeah, incredible to not protect Christy Matheson or, or Roberto right. Clemente. <laughs> some other guys that you might have heard of, George Bell, Bobby Bonilla was a Rule 5 pick, uh, Jason Grilly, Kelly Gruber, Josh Hamilton, Jeff Nelson, another hero of the yeah. show, yeah. Biff yeah. Roberts, Dan Ogla, uh, Shane Victorino. How about this one, Johan Santana? Johan Santana was another good uh, one. He pitched a full season on the Twins, you know, and stayed on there and didn't do so well. And But he made the team, made it through the full season. They kept him. And, wow, he became Johan Santana. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me ask you this, Mark. Regarding Rule 5 players, yeah. I, know, I, I know the Rule 5 players that have been on the A's. And, mm-hmm. like, Mark Canna was a Rule 5 pick from the, from the Marlins. Mm-hmm. And I, I love Mark Canna. Do you have a? Uh, do you remember any Rule Five players with the Mariners that have lasted the whole year? I, I do not. Yeah, I, I'm just. I was thinking about the whole. You know, that stuck. Yeah, like Canna. Canna stuck, and you know, was with the A's for five years. Every Rule Five draft pick in Mariners history. Every wow. <laughs> uh, Will Vest, Johan Ramirez, Brandon Brennan. David Rollins, Lucas Lutke, that was a bad news. Well, that, there's a name I know. Yeah, R.A. Dickey. And uh, Jeff Houston was taken from the Colorado Rockies, but he was released that July. Yeah, nothing nothing huge jumps out as far as Mariners' um, Rule 5 picks, but uh, there were some guys that played played some Mariner ball. After they started getting on and, and, and making agreements, um, with they started making development contracts, developmental contracts with the minor league teams, affiliating with them personally and, and, and you know, specifically these are, these are our affiliates. Well, one guy just figured out that it's going to be less expensive and a lot easier to do if he owned all the affiliates himself. That was uh, not looked up on highly initially, um, but it was Branch Rickey said, well, I'm just going to develop my own minor leagues and my own minor league teams. And baseball didn't like that. They just didn't think it was right. But pretty soon everybody realized that really was the way to go. And so you started building up a triple A, double A, a couple of single A teams. Nowadays, you've got uh, the complex teams um, that play in Arizona, Fall League, Florida, and teams or leagues that are, are run by the major leagues that are in foreign countries as well. So there's all kinds of different minor leagues now that, but back then 
it was uh, it was Branch that came up with the idea of having the entire organization in one column of big leagues through the minors. So that was I thought that was pretty cool. Branch Rickey, not a dumb guy when it comes to baseball. I think he had some smarts. Yeah, yeah, he did a few. He did a few pretty smart things. Up until then, they they, they had all uh, major leagues and minor leagues worked hand in hand. The minor leagues would pay part of the, t- the player's salary. The big leagues would pay the rest of it. And 1990, things kind of went a real dramatic. The owners decided they were going to make huge changes. Major League Baseball strongly suggested that its team not extend player development contracts into 1991 because they were talking about, hey, why don't we just do all spring training for our minor leagues and then do everything in the minor leagues spring training complex? Well, it didn't come to that. Minor league kind of uh, held their nose and signed the deal that major leagues offered them. Um, It ended up not being so bad. What happened was there was a lot of requirements um, for facilities and uh, they couldn't play in just crummy old baseball stadiums anymore. They had to be required and and, and to have a nice stadium and so on. And that actually uh, led up to the big boom of all the cool little minor league ballparks that we have now. You know, so there was a positive that came out of it. Uh, more attendance in the minors now because of the boom of of the cool parks in Tacoma. You know, we redid Cheney Stadium, and it's a really cool place to go and hang out now. Are they still giving bread away as a as a at the gate at Cheney Stadium? You know, uh, I haven't seen bread at the gate at Cheney Stadium in a while, but boy, those were the good old days. That's what that brings the kids in. I'm going to tell you. you. (laughs) Well, the upgraded facilities meant a lot more money coming in for the minor league teams. And uh, eventually major league, the major league teams took on sole responsibility for paying the players instead of the shared arrangement. So minor league baseball can actually make money these days, develop a lot of players. And uh, it hasn't changed a whole heck of a lot for the past, for the past hundred years. So uh, I just thought that was kind of interesting, especially the rule five stuff. And uh, it makes me wonder who was the guy that said, you know, that Christy Matthewson guy, you know, on the phenoms, maybe we should grab that guy. Cause uh, that was a pretty good move. I want to know who said, Hey, that Christy Matthewson guy on the phenoms. Yeah. I think we can leave him unprotected. <laughs> I don't see much in him. <laughs> that, that ladies and gentlemen is a mistake. That one. And, and along with Roberto Clemente and hack Wilson, those ones really cracked me up. And Matt Manti too. Let's not forget man. Manti. Well, yeah. But that's, that's good. That's very topical, Mark, because I saw that just last week that uh, MLB and, and the minor leagues had uh, the, the players unions had formed uh, some sort of CBA. So the actual pay in the minor leagues will be doubling and in some cases tripling, which is great because yeah. we've seen in the past couple of years how little money these guys make oh and goodness. how they just struggle to get by. They're not paid for half of the time they work, you know, spring training or right during the off season and they're surviving on bologna sandwiches from the clubhouse. And that's about it. So yeah, these guys were getting paid monthly contracts only when they were playing ball. So winter, you know, if you can find a spot in the Dominican league, good for you. But otherwise you weren't getting paid. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Let's uh, we should put together a a rule five rule five fantasy league. That would be awesome. Yes. <laughs> we can I run it. Whole list. <laughs> we can run it through uh, out of the park baseball or something and see who be the best. I, I know who I'm going to draft as my right fielder and my pitcher. <laughs> Matt Manti, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, you know, and, and I'm going to go for Paul Blair. 
of course. I, I was, of course, also my right fielder. I was talking about Shane Victorino, the flying Hawaiian. So. Flying Hawaiian. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> All right, Mark, it's opening day for us, man. It's it's Woo! time for the, your, your defense is on. First of all, you're you're opening at home, right? Because World Series champs usually uh, open at home. But there's True. nobody here. Your fans have gotten tired of winning. <laughs> what can we do, you know? Yeah, I mean, they, well, you could let me win. I'm saying oh, lay down. There is that. Yeah. <laughs> the four-time defending champion at Wax Packs Heroes, Mark A. Johnston. I have yet to win, yet to really even come close to winning. You know what, the, these uh, these preseason exhibition games that we've done the last couple of weeks, I've done pretty well in. So I'm curious to see, you know, typically how you perform in spring training as a team does not affect what happens in the regular season at all. So I'm no, not, not, remotely. I'm not really uh, too excited about it. But it is time for that part of the show. So let's head in to the final segment. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Wax Packs Heroes! All right, uh, Mark, uh, we've got the leftovers from the pack from last week because it was one of those big super packs from uh, Tops in 2003. So we're going to go ahead and finish these off. Uh, we've got eight cars each, so a little bit of an abbreviated one today. You have chosen the bottom eight, so I'm going to take the top. And uh, I am going to actually go first this week because that worked for me during the off season. And I'm sure won't carry over, but we're going to try it anyway. Uh, if you are new here, this is how we do it. We've got these cards from 2003. We are going to look at them. We're going to take the baseball reference war of uh, the card, in this case, 2003 from the player. We'll add those up and at the end, see who wins. But we've got a couple of extra things that we'll add or subtract points to that. If there's anything on the player's face in the card, like a mustache, eye black, glasses, anything like that, they get ten, uh, an extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing real stirrups where we can see sanitary socks underneath, that's an extra tenth of a point. But if they're wearing the two-in-ones, that's a minus a tenth of a point. Any awards that they won that year, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, if they were an MVP, an All-Star, or won a gold glove, that's a half a point each. If there's a Hall of Famer on the card, whether they're the focus or not, that is a plus one. If Ricky Henderson is polled, which has happened recently, by myself even, Yes. I get five whole points regardless of who pulls it. If uh, we pull a Nolan Ryan, which is tough to do in a 2003 pack, Mark gets five points regardless of who pulls it. If the uh, player appears on the Mitchell Report or was suspended during their playing career, that is a minus a half a point of war. If we can find any sort of acting uh, an IMDb page, uh, any reference to any uh, shows or movies that they have appeared in, they are going to get a half a point award for that. But if they appeared in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, The Simpsons, or Seinfeld, you're going to get a whole point because we like those shows. Also, Mark, you and I are going to pick a team. Uh, if either of us polls uh, my team, I get a half a point. Your team, you get a half a point. Who are you going to go with this week? I, I'm still enthralled with the Saberhagen rap, so I'm going to go with the Royals. All right. Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with our boy that just drank his first beer. I'm going to go with the Reds then. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
let's see. Well, and you can't watch your game if you're living in Iowa, by the way, because the Royals are. I think Cincinnati's oh. okay in Iowa, but that's not. I, I think I think we need to sign on. We we can put a two strike noise endorsement on that bill that's going to yeah uh, open that up. Yeah, that'll we, probably we, can, we fully endorse it. That'll probably help you know get it through. Grease the I'll wheels a little bit. Yeah, I'll send an email tomorrow. To okay. Whoever. Yeah, do that. Let me know how that works out. All right. My first card is a shortstop for the Giants, Ramon Martinez. That's a different Ramon Martinez. Ramon Martinez. This is not Pedro's brother. Yes. This is uh, one of my, uh, a good friend of mine, Chris, who's a card collector. When, when he first found he wanted to collect Ramon Martinez, the other Ramon Martinez, he, uh, he hadn't heard the name said, so he kept calling him Raymond Martinez. Crack me up. <laughs> I guess we've had this card before then, haven't we? Because I, I know you've told me that story before. And it cracks Raymond Martinez. <laughs> it's like Chai Chai Rodriguez. Chai Chai Rodriguez, yes. Yeah, let's and, see. Uh, he owned a little dog, a Chai Hua Hua. <laughs> so this Ramon Martinez, uh, I, I trilled the R well and then screwed up on the Martinez. Uh, 12 years in the big leagues, five with the Giants, two with a bunch of other teams. In 2003, one of those other teams was the Chicago Cubs where uh, he played everywhere on the infield for 108 games. He hit 283, a 333 on base, 34 RBIs off of three home runs. Uh, let's see here. That is good for an 84 OPS plus. And I'm going to start out with a minus 0.8 war. <laughs> That's a chunk. I am going to say that uh, that his defense was really bad. <laughs> a minus be- 0.8. This is off to a great, great start to the season. What was the guy doing? My gosh. <laughs> I think he was left-handed, but he was playing with a right-handed glove. I can't be sure, but I think that must have been what happened. <laughs> oh, the cousin of Giovanni Soto, the catcher, who also played for the Cubs and the A's at oh, one point. Okay. All right, so uh, minus 0.8 to start out with. Really good. All right, uh-oh. Now, I've got a card with three different players on it. Uh-oh. League leaders, National League home runs. Well, this is looking up now. Oh, boy. So the way that we typically do this is if there are multiple players uh, named on the card, we pick which of the three or however many we want to we want to use that player. So my players, Sammy Sosa, Lance Berkman or Sean Green. So I mean, this is a good thing because, well, I mean, obviously it's a good thing. There's three really good players, but (laughs) I, without looking up their numbers, I have to decide who in 2003 is going to get me the most war. That's right. You know, Sammy hit a lot of home runs and I have to assume he led the league this year because he's listed first. Lance Berkman hit a lot of home runs as well. And the killer bees drove in a lot of runs. Sean Green was a beast. And he could hit. I kind of want to say Sean Green might have the higher war. It's possible overall. I mean, you're looking at you're looking at everything. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go with Sean Green. What would you choose? Berkman. Berkman? I can hear just hear our listeners. <laughs> just, why are you not going with Sosa? Now, inevitably, Sean Green is gonna have the lowest. That's well, just the way. That's just the way it goes. But that's the way you do things. Let's look at Sean Green first. Uh, Sean Green, fifteen years in the big leagues. Uh, let's see, a two-time All Star, uh, won a Gold Glove. Uh, unfortunately, none of those things were in the two thousand and three season. Uh, two thousand three, one hundred and sixty games played, a two eighty average, three fifty five on base, only nineteen home runs, eighty five RBI, six stolen bases, a one sixteen 
OPS plus. Now this card is based on 2002, which I guess I should have. <laughs> that was the year he was an all-star, came in fifth in MVP, hit 42 home runs, 114 ribs, and 154 OPS plus. So in 2003, though, he had a 2.1 WAR. So I'll take it. Okay, yeah, it's better than minus 0.8. Yeah, it's better than a poke in the eye. Now let's look at uh, Sammy Sosa for 2003. Uh, let's see, 40 home runs, a 358 on base, a 133 OPS plus, a war of 2.7. So negligible. Yeah. And what about my guy? Lance Berkman, Big Puma or Fat Elvis. In uh, 2003, hit 288, a 412 on base, 25 home runs, 93 ribs, 138 OPS plus, and a 5.3 war. Wow, good year for him. Yeah, so, of course, like I said, uh, Sean Green with the lowest war of the three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I, I don't disappoint. I'm very consistent. <laughs> give you that, man. I'll yeah. give you that. Uh, let's see. Sean Green, at the time of his retirement, only one of four active players with at least 300 home runs, 100 runs and RBIs, 400 doubles, a 280 batting average and 150 stolen bases. The other three, Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr. and Gary Sheffield. Pretty that's good. good company. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's pretty good. All right. Well, uh, this is kind of topical. He played for Team Israel in the 2013 World Baseball Classic. Hmm, there you go. I did not know that. And more exciting for me is that Green has made cameo appearances on the uh, on the quote series premiere of the hit show Numbers in 2005. <laughs> he also appeared in the film The Core and on the Nick Cannon show. So uh, I am going to get a half a point of war for that. I'll take for it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on, my next card is another uh, Dodger. This one, uh, I'll let you try and spell his name. It's Mark Grudzelanik. Mark Grudzelanik. <laughs> Harry Carey's nemesis. And when he when he joined the Cubs, it was not a good year for Harry. Let's see. Uh, Mark Grudzelanik, 15 years in the big leagues. Uh, five with the Dodgers, four with the Expos, three with the Royals, a bunch of other teams. 2003 was said first year with the Cubs. 121 games, 314 average, three home runs, only 38 RBI, six stolen bases, a 103 OPS plus, and that is good for a war of 2.3. I will take it. Not bad. Uh, nothing else on this card is going to help me out, though, unfortunately. Oh, I, I think we've mentioned this before. He is a proud inductee of the National Polish American Sports Hall of Fame, loco located in lovely Troy, Michigan. Nice. There you go. So, folks, if you ever get to Troy, Michigan, check it out. Yeah, we are. By the way, I just want to uh, mention we are sponsored by the Troy, Michigan Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Troy, Michigan, <laughs> give us a try. Please, come visit. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, I remember this guy. He was uh, in Atlanta while I was there. It is uh, He's listed as a first baseman here, Wes Helms. Uh, I do remember Wes Helms. Wes Helms, 13 years in the big leagues, five with Florida, four with Atlanta, three with Milwaukee, one with the Phils. In 2003, it was his first year with Milwaukee. He played third base. Uh, exclusively in 134 games, hit 261, 330 on base, 23 home runs, 67 ribs, a 103 OPS plus, and that is good for a .8 war. I was really hoping for more there from Wes. Mm. Uh, let's see, Fernando Vina is in this uh, card as well, but uh, he is not a Hall of Famer, so that's not going to help me. 
Wes Helms uh, done a lot of coaching, managing, managing the Chicago White Sox AAA affiliate in Charlotte was placed on indefinite leave for a personal issue and uh, is still on leave. That's curious that uh, last year he was uh, manager of the Charlotte Knights because the card right before him, Mark Grezelanik, uh, he, is, he was the manager that Wes Helms succeeded as the, uh, as the manager of the uh, Knights. That's how you podcast, people. That's professional podcasting. All right, uh, I got a couple of cards left here. Next, outfielder for the Milwaukee Brewers. Ooh, rated rookie. It's Alex Sanchez. Oh, uh, yes. I still like the, the little cup. Uh, I don't know if Top still does that. I don't buy cards these days, but I it, it's definitely a lot smaller on these 2003. But I love the I love the little cup. Yes, the rookie cup, and and uh, Donruss has the rated rookie yep. designation and so on. Always, always bringing excitement wherever they show up. I've got uh, two T-shirts: one with the uh, one with the rated rookie, and one with the uh, Tops rookie. Very nice. Yeah. Let's see. Five years in the big leagues uh, for the rated rookie Alex Sanchez. Three with Milwaukee, two with Detroit, one with Tampa and the Giants. In 2003, he split time between the Brewers and the Tigers. He ended up hitting 287 to 319 on base, one home run, 32 RBI, 84 OPS plus. Not looking good here. And that is good for a war of zero. Uh, Oh, well, this is good. April 3rd, 2005, he became the first major league player to be suspended for violating the league's newly adopted drug policy for anabolic steroids and other performance-enhancing drugs. So that'll be a minus half a point of war for me. Well, why'd you go and read that far? Oh, let's see. Uh, At the end of his career, he also played for the Charlotte Knights and led the team with a 359 average. Uh, The second part of the show is brought to you by the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce. Charlotte, (laughs) we're more than just the Panthers. I don't, yeah, the Panthers play. Charlotte, we're not just a name. We're not just a girl's name. (laughs) Or a web. We're Charlotte. A web, yeah. We're more more than just the web. And by the way, Charlotte Chamber of Commerce, you are welcome to use that if you want to. Yeah, no charge. More than just a web. All right, uh, I'm at 4.4. This might get me some points. Uh, I consider him a traitor. Uh, I think a lot of A's fans have forgiven him, but it is Jason Giambi. Yeah, you're right. You might get some uh, some points right there. You're going to get a minus two, I think. <laughs> well, you know, he didn't have the great years in New York. That uh, he, You know, he put up good numbers, but what he did in Oakland, uh, I think they were expecting a lot more. 2003, his second year in New York. He was an all-star this year. He led the league in walks and strikeouts, as well as hit by pitches. So you know that on base is going to be good. Uh, overall, he hit 250, a 412 on base. That is very good. 41 home runs, 107 RBI. Wow, his first two years in New York, he hit 41 home runs each year. And then it, it dropped off quite a bit after that. Uh, let's see, a 148 OPS plus, and that equals a 4.8 war. Now, I'm guessing he's probably named in the Mitchell Report, wasn't he? I know he wasn't suspended. Well, but He was in the Balco scandal, I think. Well, that we did. We specifically did not say Balco. We said That's Mitchell true. Report. So we'll we'll look this up and see uh, see what we can come up with here. Jamie did speak with George Mitchell after being forced to do so by Bud Selig, but it doesn't say the report. He wasn't named. He's publicly apologized for oh, using no. PEDs. Not named. In December '07, the Mitchell Report included Giambi Gosh, along with. His darn it. Well, now you're reading too much. When did you learn to read in the first place? <laughs> oh, it's it was like a couple weeks ago. 
Yeah, let's see. Uh, I'm I'm really surprised he. Oh, video game covers. Does that count? He was on. Uh, let's see. Wow, he was on five different video game covers. Only oh. if one is Mario Kart. Okay, and he also appeared in the Bronx is Burning on ESPN as a taxi cab driver. So that's going to oh, get me counts. back those Mitchell that that Mitchell money. There you go. <laughs> All right, so I'm at nine point two. I got two cards left. Uh, let's see. This is a shortstop for the D-backs. I think I was thinking of this guy just a couple of episodes ago and couldn't remember his name. Tony Womack. Oh, yeah. I believe he was on that D-backs team in 2001 that beat the Yankees. Yeah, World Series 2001. Tony Womack, 13 years in the big leagues, five with Arizona, five with the Bucks, and then a bunch of other teams. In 2003, he split time between the D-backs and the Rockies. Overall, 226, 251 on base, two home runs, 22 RBI, 13 stolen bases. That is good for a 40 OPS plus. Oh, I love this game. Let's see. <laughs> that is good. Well, you know what? It's it's only good for a minus 1.9 war. Jeez. How are you playing in professional baseball if you are hurting your team almost two complete games versus the average minor league replacement player? I, I'm I'm speechless. I'm without speech. Can I just phone in the season already? Is it too late to to, no. <laughs> to call up the reserves from the minors? No, you got plenty. Of, you got you got all these moves you can make still. I'm gonna. Can I bring up some Rule Five players? Jeez, <laughs> and nothing. No, uh, no, uh, no acting. All right, moving hey, on. Well, uh, one thing I do want to say about Mr. Womack is he set up Luis Gonzalez's famous game-winning single in Game Seven of the World Series with a game-tying one-out hit against Mariano Rivera. All right, there you go. Yeah, 0-1, baby. All right, my final card. Wow, I really like this guy. I liked his brother, too, but his brother apparently a pretty big scumbag on the Do Not Talk About list. But uh, here it is, also with the Braves. I remember him. I really liked it when he was there. Marcus Giles. Oh, yeah, Marcus Giles. Brother of, uh, I think it was Tony Giles. Or no, uh, Brian Giles. Um, let's see. Yeah, Brian Giles. Yeah. Marcus Giles, seven years in the big leagues, six with Atlanta. I did not know he came up with Atlanta. I thought he came up somewhere else. And then a final year with San Diego in 2003. Good news for me. All-star year. I like it. Hit 316, 390 on base, 21 home runs, 69 RBI, 14 stolen bases, a 136 OPS plus. Wow, 7.9 war. Plus he was an all-star. That'll make it 8.4. Nothing else on this card, but 8.4, that more than doubles my score. (laughs) I did not see that coming. Uh, and that will take me up to 15.7, which is acceptable. I'll take it. Yeah, uh, totally acceptable. 53rd round pick of the Braves in 96. Wow. 53rd. I think Piazza went before him. <laughs> That's a lot of rounds. I, I think uh, I, I don't remember uh, many rounds of any other sport going. <laughs> no, I don't think the NFL, the NFL draft seems to last like two weeks, but I don't <laughs> think they have 53 rounds. No, no, I don't believe so. Yeah. Uh, first home run was a grand slam off of Mark Hampton in 2001. Oh, didn't get a play in the All-Star game, even though he was selected. Suffered a concussion a week prior to the All-Star game when he collided with Mark Pro- oh. Prior, when he collided with Mark Pryor on the base paths. See, that's 
that's where that podcasting uh, class paid off. I didn't even know I was doing that. And uh, <laughs> that just happened. Well, you know, it's just like a great painter or a great writer. It just comes out. You don't always plan for it. And then you look back and you go, man, that was that was genius. It was good. All right. So that's going to do it for my uh, my cards. Like I said, 15.7, which I guess is OK, because half of my cards were negative. A couple of pretty big negatives. <laughs> All right, Mark. So here we go. Uh, you are going to start off with an expo, a junior. It is, uh, you know, his father. I watched play when I first started going to baseball games in Oakland in the 80s. Here is Tony Armis Jr. Oh, yes. So let's see. Tony Armis Jr., son of Tony Armis, nephew of Marcos Armis. Ten years in the big leagues, eight with the Expo slash Nationals, one with the Mets, one with the Bucks. 2003 in Montreal in only five appearances. He went 2-1 and one with a 2.61 ERA, 31 innings, pitched 23 strikeouts, not bad, 174 ERA plus, and that is a 1.3 war. Okay, okay. And you mentioned uh, nephew of Marcos Armas, yes. who is, uh, was with the Oakland Athletics when I was uh, working in the clubhouse in Tacoma. And this guy, he's a big dude. He's like 6'5". And he could hit a ball a long way, towering home runs. And I used to be in working, you know, during the game, and he would come running in, and he always called me Mac. Mac, Mac, did you see that one I just hit? <laughs> like, no, I was in here. I hit the tower. Come here, come here, come here. Uh, one time, he comes running in. Mac, Mac, your wife's throwing the ball. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, there was a game where you had to try and throw a ball through a hole to win a prize. And I'm like, oh, no. So he grabs me and goes running out there, and sure enough, there's my wife, Starla getting ready to throw the ball so you know and marcus is a nice guy he was always coming to get me for some reason or another <laughs> he'd not let you do your job he's like come here come here he was he was a lot of fun though i i've never seen and that guy oh my gosh he got hooked on uh jalapeno corn dogs once and he uh, could eat three of them i thought you were gonna bites. i thought you were gonna say something else i'm no, so no. glad you said jalapeno hot dogs yeah jalapeno <laughs> corn dogs this guy Two bites each corn dog. He'd eat three of them. Pump, 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 pump. You know, amazing stuff. You know, I think if he would have took maybe taking a little better care of himself, things would have gone better. But those jalapeno corn dogs, you know, they're tempting. This is an interesting page from Marcus Armas. Positions: first baseman, pinch runner, right fielder. Pinch runner. He's listed as six five one ninety. Yeah, that's about right. That's a toothpick. That's mm -hmm. a tall dude. Well, yeah, one year in Oakland. He did hit a home run in the big leagues. Uh, let's see. It looks like he played in the Mexican League for a little while. Oh, well, he played for Tabasco. It just lists Tabasco, no stats. So I don't mm. know if he just showed up and didn't play or what. <laughs> so fan, sure it's not a list of his favorite condiments. <laughs> that might go on the jalapeno corn dogs. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Marco's a very spicy player. <laughs> <laughs> well, get this. Uh, the Red Sox traded him to the Expos and sent a player to be named later for Carl Pavano. That player to be named later was Pedro Martinez. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so how many people can say that they're related to uh, Tony Armas Sr., Marcos Armas, and was once traded for Pedro Martinez? Yeah, no, that's solid. I think only one person can say that. I'm pretty I believe sure. So, yeah. All right. Uh, next, you've got pitcher for the Brewers, Ruben Cavedo. Ruben. I remember him just because uh, the Brewers, the National League, and uh, played the played the Braves a lot at that point when I was in Atlanta. <laughs> 
Uh, let's see, 2003, he, four years in the big leagues, three with Milwaukee, one with the Cubs, who he came up with. 2003 was his final year. Went one and four with a 6.75 ERA, 42 and two thirds innings, 19 strikeouts, 64 ERA plus. And that is a war of minus 0.4. Oh, nice. I think this card was meant for my pack. <laughs> Not sure, but that'll uh, that'll bump you down a little bit there. All right, uh, you are at point nine. I like it when you're under one. <laughs> it's it's funny when I when I Google Ruben Cavedo, there's a bunch of headshots of other players related searches, and the second uh, next to Ruben on my search is Johan Santana, who we mentioned earlier. But I don't know what is going on here. His eyes are he looks like an, an anime character, and he's got a weird look on his face, and he's holding a ball up menacingly. It is a very weird shot. Hmm. Uh, all right, next you've got, uh, oh, I remember this guy. I remember this guy with the Giants, who he's pictured with here, but also with the Expos. It's Kurt Roto-Rooter. I think it's pronounced Reader, but I'm going to go with Roto-Reader. Kurt Reader. Woody was his nickname because he's got these ears. His, I remember, I will never forget somebody's description of him, is that he looks like a car that is driving with the uh, the front doors open. His ears are, are quite protruding protrudable protrudage there's a lot of protruding going on with his ears 13 years in the big leagues 10 with the giants four with montreal 2003 with san francisco he went 10 and 5 with a 4.53 era 147 innings 41 strikeouts 93 ops or i'm sorry era plus and that is good for a war of 0.4 a big 0.4 it's funny i typed in his name and it came up and said did you mean roller cult Roller cult. That's a, pretty sure I don't. And I don't even know what that is. I don't know, but if I got to be in a cult, the roller cult sounds like one I'd like to be in. High roller cult? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I was thinking more like roller derby. Well, that's that too. See, that's a fun, that's a fun, a fun one. Uh, let's see. Ruder resides in Nashville, Illinois, and his home is famous for its quote unquote shed, a large recreational facility filled with games and sports memorabilia. Wow. I think we need to go to the shed. I think that sounds like a, uh, <clears throat> a place we need to visit. Yeah. Okay, next you have got a, oh, you got a Hall of Famer. Yay. Congratulations. I got uh, a chance. Moose. Here he is with the Yankees, Mike Messina. Love him. There's a gentleman that could really pitch a ball game. Good, good pitcher, five-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glove winner. 18 years in the big leagues, 10 with Baltimore, 8 with the Yankees, 2003 with the Yankees. He only went 17 and 8, 3.4 ERA, 214 innings, 195 strikeouts, a 130 ERA plus. Uh, He won a gold glove that year as well. So congratulations on that. And that is going to get you, it's a war of 6.6 plus the gold glove uh, is 7.1 plus he's a Hall of Famer. So that's an (laughs) 8.1. That's what we needed was a big game out of the moose. You throw your ace out there on the mound like that, and he comes through. There you uh, go. Never won a World Series. Weird. Yeah, no ring for moose. That's uh, that's kind of weird. First round draft pick by the Orioles in the 1990 draft. Oh, as a senior in high school, just missed being valedictorian. Oh, oh that B-plus in chemistry. According to some reports, he intentionally came up short to avoid having to deliver a commencement speech. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, well, he went to he went to Stanford too. It's where he played. Uh, he played his college ball. Uh, born in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, Hall of Fame or a little oh, league nice. uh, 
World Series played there. Boy, the Steinbrenners are always uh, full of great ideas. Uh, Hank Steinbrenner at one point suggested that Musina should learn how to pitch like Jamie Moyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if it ain't broke, you should fix it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Hey, uh, how, do I get do I get a uh, credit for him being in the documentary film Wordplay? Uh, I think we specifically said no documentaries, but okay. this one's not about baseball. No, it's about crossword puzzles. Yeah, so I think we're going to have to allow it. I think that's right. Uh, also collects tractors and vintage cars. The full-size ones, not the matchbox. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a Hall of Fame baseball player, you collect the the full-size ones. If you're not, you you probably collect matchbox. All right. Uh, your next card is uh, here with the Rockies second baseman Brent Butler, not Brett. Brent. Brent. Let's see. Brent Butler, three years in the big leagues, all of it with Colorado. His final year was 2003. He appeared in 37 games, uh, played all over the infield, hit 211, 276 on base, one home run, four RBI, and a 42 OPS plus. I think he did that in honor of Jackie Robinson. And that is good for minus 0.1. Now, for me, I get a minus 1.9. You get a minus 0.1. <laughs> minus 1.9 is pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, do I get any extra points for actually he played the whole year in the big leagues with a <laughs> minus 1.9 war? You you get you don't get points, you get pointers. Uh, well, he's got high socks on here, but uh, there are there's no sanitaries showing, so yeah, well, the nerve. Nothing uh, nothing for you there. All right, you've got uh, three cards left. You currently stand at 9.8. I finished with a 15.7. Yeah, I gotta make a move. So it's coming down to it. All right. Uh, your, oh, this might help you here. Here, outfielder with the Mets, Jeremy Burnitz. Oh, that, that might be a positive. Let's see. Jeremy Burnitz played for 14 years in the big leagues. Six with Milwaukee, uh, four with the Mets, two with Cleveland, and then a bunch of others for one year. In 2003, he split time between the Mets and the Dodgers. Overall, he hit 239, 299 on base, 31 home runs, 77 RBA, a 105 OPS plus. And altogether, that is going to get you a 1.1. Okay, okay. I got to average higher than that, though. I thought it was going to be a little bit more than that, but uh, yeah, I'll, I, I will accept that for you. I traded once for uh, Mariners GM Jerry DePoto. Uh, also, wow, part of a three-way trade with Milwaukee, the Mets, and the Rockies. Mark Sweeney involved, Lenny Harris, Glendon Rush, Todd Zeal, my guy Benny Agbayani. Another Hawaiian. He wasn't the flying Hawaiian, but he was another no. Hawaiian. Uh, good clubhouse guy. Uh, it says friendly, laid back. Apparently he was slumping uh, early in 2006 and he didn't run out of grounder the day before. And uh, when asked about the challenges that the Mets were going to face the rest of the year, he said, quote, I'm your highest paid free agent. That in of itself should tell you the big picture that the team's in. <laughs> Confidence. <laughs> I like self-deprecation. <laughs> All right, uh, you've got a rated rookie here, your second-to-last card. It is none other than catcher for the O's, Geronimo Gill, the Chief. Boy, that's an original nickname. <laughs> uh, let's see, Geronimo played for six years in the big leagues, five with the Orioles and then one with the Rockies. 2003, 54 games, he hit 237, 299 on base, three home runs, 16 RBI, 63 OPS+, plus, and you're still going to get a .3 out of it. 
something. Well, it's not looking good here. I got to have a miracle card. So Gil is a catcher, right? Mm -hmm. The Wikipedia page says Gil is notable for having 820 career at bats without a triple. <laughs> That's notable. That's not really notable for a catcher. That's notable. That's awesome. He does have two career stolen bases, though. Well, there you go. All right. So you're at 11.2. I'm at 15.7. Your final card. Oh, no. This will, I love this guy. I loved him on the A's. I really liked him on the A's. He had some good years with the Diamondbacks. Here he is, first baseman, Arubio Durazo. Oh, well, yeah, I like him too. But is he going to get you four and a half points? Is don't the think question. he's going to get me there. Yeah. All right, let's see. Ruby played for seven years, four with the D-backs, three with the A's. In 2003, it was his first year in Oakland. He hit 259, a 374 on base, 21 home runs, 77 RBI, a 113 OPS plus. This is kind of coming down to it. I mean, uh, it's not as dramatic with the with the pitch clock, but <laughs> right. it's coming down to it. That will equal a war of 1.8. Now. We do need to look. I am not aware that Arubio appeared in many uh, TV or movie uh, roles, but I could be mistaken. We must do the research. <laughs> That's what we're famous for is doing research. That's right. <laughs> Here it is starred in all 18 uh, of the Herbie the Love Bug movies. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, now, if you'd been on an episode of the A-Team, I would have given you <laughs> extra bonus points. But no, alack, there is nothing. And you end no. up with 13 even. And somehow, I come away with a win. Now, if I recall correctly, last year I got off to a hot start and and led even up into the into the 10-win category. And then I just, I I, I did it and... I choked. So, <laughs> well, well, you know what? It's it's better to start off with a win than a loss, my friend. Yeah, so, I'm not gonna lie. Look I mean, look look the more games you win in April, the fewer you have to win in September. That's that's the way. I so true. It. But uh, all right, congratulations to me. Uh, we're, we've got uh, Sunny D and Orange Slices in the clubhouse, so everybody's happy. But that's gonna do it for our opening day of Wax Packs Heroes uh, season five. We're going to wrap up that. We're going to wrap up the show. Uh, if you want more of us, you can find us on all the social medias. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is Two Strike Noise. T-W-O Strike Noise. Uh, you can find them, well, we're everywhere. Hopefully we'll get a little bit more uh, activity on the social medias. It's been really busy with uh, for both of us with uh, baseball starting up. So hopefully we can uh, focus on that a little bit more. Mark, there's also an email address that uh, the Troy, Michigan uh, Chamber of Commerce is trying to reach us at. That's right. You can reach us at two strike noise, spell it out, T-W-O strike noise at gmail.com. And, and that's right. Uh, Lars was trying to reach us as well with the... Yeah. Uh, the sponsorship opportunity. Lars, that's Mark with a K. Okay. <laughs> and Johnston with a T. Just yeah. go ahead and none of that, none of that's really needed for two strike noise at gmail.com, but throw it out there anyway. <laughs> I thought he might want to I thought he might want to reference me in a, in a proper manner. Individually, you know? okay. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll do it for this show. Hey, everybody, we really appreciate it. Uh this was a fun show. We love talking about baseball. Uh, we love talking about and reminiscing about baseball as well as what's going on today. So we really do appreciate everybody that listens every week. 
I hope everybody's enjoyed this first week of Major League Baseball in 2023 as much as we did. And uh, you know what? We're going to do it again next week. We'll see you uh, on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.